American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into a brand new season of American Hammers Radio. Much to the chagrin of everybody out there, all nine of you who listen, Tex from the Fresno Irons is back, joined with the man who makes this thing go, and let's be real, that's why you tune in, the one and only Liam Bright. Liam, how are you doing this evening? Oh, man, it's a divine pleasure to be back in the booth chatting with my my good old buddy Tex of the legendary Fresno Irons. More, I think infamous is a better term than Ooh, legendary. I do, I do think infamous would be more ideally suited to this, this band of ruffians that we uh, spend our early mornings with on the weekends. So this is season three, episode one. We're embarking on a brand new uh, season for West Ham United. The first fixture is taking place this Sunday at 6 a.m. out here on the left coast. Um, we travel to St. James's Park, which has been a house of horrors for West Ham United the last couple of seasons. But before we hop into that match prediction, obviously we've had a whole offseason here and a lot has happened with West Ham United. So we're going to dive into a few uh, topics that we feel are pertinent. Um, number one, the season awards came out. Always a fun thing to watch, especially um, you know here in America, we have to watch it after it's done online. Um, but nonetheless, it's cool. Um, a couple of things. Uh, Hammer of the year, Thomas Suchek. Um, kind of agree with that statement. Liam, what do you think? Uh, they corrected it, or he corrected them. Uh, it's a Suchek. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that's what it said, Suchek, yeah. Dick. Uh, yeah, they, uh, uh, I think that's a fair shout, man. Like for me, it, it, it would have really been a toss up between him and Safal. Um, I think there was a lot of other, uh, great players this past season. I mean, Declan Rice is always a good shout. Um, Ogbonna, I think before injury was, was a hundred percent leading the pack, uh, for hammer of the year. But I think when everything was, you know, when it was all done and dusted, I, I'd have to say, uh, Sofal or sorry, Socek was, uh, was the, the front runner for sure. I, I agree. Uh, Sioux Fall would have been number two on that list for me. The checkmates were just absolutely brilliant. I think they were a big part of the culture change that happened at West Ham United, which was something that I think um, was vital to turning this uh, team around. Um, we've talked about it at length here on this podcast. You and I even have brought it up when we were on uh, Premier League Fan Zone over in the U.K., it's a big deal to clean out the rot in this club. There's been a lot of rot, and we had somebody to clean it out, and I think the checkmates definitely played a part there. Um, one player I want to bring up that, you know, he obviously he gets recognition and we love him, and he's wearing a new number this year and number nine because I think we finally settled on a position for him. But Mikel Antonio had to be in the conversation for Hammer of the Year. We all knew he wasn't going to win it. But he has been the most stable number nine West Ham have seen, I'm going to say, all the way back since Dean Ashton. Because yeah. no offense to Carlton Cole, who I love. Carlton Cole's one of my all-time favorite hammers. Carlton Cole wasn't what I would say is this guy that was just going to light it up on fire on the pitch. So Mikel Antonio this last year, I felt like, yes, when he gets hurt, and we all know his injury history with his hamstrings, but man, he really was the spark that made this team go, and he became a real threat up front for West Ham United. Do you agree, disagree, or is there another player you want to shout at? 
No, 100% agree with that one. And I think Coley would be the first one to say as well that for him, he would not work as hard in the box as Mikhail Antonio would. You know, like for Coley, he kind of wanted stuff served to him on a silver platter. But Mikhail, as we saw with the highlight reels for this past season, that he will absolutely muscle people in the box to try to get that goal, whether it's to get ahead on it, he's trying to do overhead kicks. I mean, whatever it takes, uh, Mikhail is trying to drive in for that goal. And like, yeah, maybe he has some... Terrible, terrible misses, uh, but the 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 highlight real goals, man. It really high, it really showcases how far he's come as a player uh, during his tenure here at the club. I mean, when you think about how we picked him up for like what seven or eight mil from from Nottingham Forest, like that's a huge, huge return on the investment. Like what he's been able to do. I mean, a ten goal season, double digit season. That's that's massive for a player that was out for you know several months on injury. So if you think if you could, if knock on wood, if you can keep him fit for an entire season, I mean, that's a 15 to 20 goal striker right there. And I mean, isn't that something we've been crying out for all the way back to like, as you said, when we had, you know, players like Dean Ashton, or you go even before that, when it was uh, Joe Cole and Paulo Decanio, you know, I mean, th- these are the type of strikers that West Ham players love. I just wish that maybe we respected Mikel Antonio a little bit more. I- I'd love to see people not treat him as like a redefined right back because ultimately, no, he is a striker. Uh, and he's proven it. And don't forget his time at Nottingham Forest. Anytime Nottingham Forest needed a goal, they chucked Mikel Antonio up top. Like this is not something that he just learned how to do. It's something <laughs> he's been doing for a while, but he was, uh, you know, he was a guy that, you know, let, let's let the, t- the plight of Mikel Antonio at West Ham United. Let's be real. Let's not sugarcoat anything. When he came in, he was happy to be a part of the squad. He was willing to do whatever it took to get on the pitch as he started to find and produce goals, which is what he's always wanted to be. He started to get a little full of himself. He caused a few problems. He ruffled a few brothers. He pissed off the captain. You don't do those things at West Ham United. Once he humbled himself, then he became this striker that we could count on um, that could constantly produce goals. Now, Liam, it was a month ago, so we'll have to check this, <laughs> but I'm not lying to you. I went back and looked at his last 38 Premier, uh, Premier League performances. Liam, he's got 16 goals. He's a 16-goal type striker in his past 38 games. Now, granted, that's removing all the games he missed from injury. That's going back to last season. That is including the four-goal game (laughs) he had against Norwich. I understand all that. But my point is that we have said for years as a West Ham fan, and granted, I've only been rooting for the team for nine of those years, and I understand that. But for the nine years I've rooted for him, There's always been a thought if we can find a striker who doesn't have to necessarily be prolific, but can be consistent, can give us 10 to 15 goals every year, we will always finish in the top eight. Well, Mikel Antonio, I think, what do you have, 11 this year? Uh, didn't I think him and Socek tied at ten? I think they both hit okay. just hit double digits because then after that it was Lingard at nine, and then like Bowen at Bowen and Fornells I think tied at eight. Yeah, so he got us 10, and we finished in the top eight. The the fact is, it's very clear. So that's why I bring up a guy, and I understand the season Suchek had, and I understand the important goals he scored, and I understand the stability that we got from Sufal at right back. But let's be honest. The hardest thing to do in the prem is to score a goal, and Mikel Antonio 
found a way to do that. And not only do that, he found a way to create. I think at one point in the season, he was leading the Premier League in chances created. And yeah. it was early in the year, and I understand it's like 15 games played, but he was very dynamic for us. Now, if he didn't have that injury history and he was able to play a full 38 with not missing a game, could he be a 20-goal striker? We don't know. Probably not. But as a West Ham fan, and I put on my claret blue glasses, I'm going to think that he could because yeah. that's what our job is as fans, to support. It's short <laughs> for fanatic. So looking at that, obviously, Mikel Antonio is a player that I'm putting a lot of emphasis on. I know that you have a lot of emphasis on him, Liam. But that brings me to my next point. Behind Mikel Antonio, who the hell do we have? Nobody. So you mean in terms of depth, right? Like striker depth? Yeah, we don't have a true striker to back up Mikel Antonio. Yeah. Okay, we do not. We can throw Bowen in there, but Bowen's not a true striker. Even at even at Hull City in the championship, he only played that striker in emergency situations. Yes, he's a creative player and he can make plays, and he's deadly coming off that right side. I understand that. But we don't have a true striker. Watch, what is every West Ham fan is it's the most hopeful thing they have in the summer, but it's ultimately the biggest letdown by the end of the summer. And once again, it's been that way. It is the transfer window. And every name that I saw come through of a team that finishes in six that guaranteed themselves European football seemed to me like every name that came across was, this was my reaction every time, Liam. Uh, That's not the right player for us. That's not what we need. Like, I feel like they're they're buying players and they're looking at them saying, well, maybe he could play here. And that's not the reality of the situation. So, Liam, I'm going to turn it over to you. You are a transfer guru here on this show. <laughs> so um, go down the list of names. Let us know. And there's a couple names I want to point out at the end. And then, obviously, there's some names we'll comment on as you go. So uh, one of the first names was actually somebody that exited, which was uh, Depo Afalayan, who was completed a permanent transfer to Bolton Wanderers. I actually thought that that was, although it was a good move for him, uh, I think it was a bad move for West Ham because I think this was a kid that was definitely showing um, the inklings of being a a potential uh, uh, striker, especially someone that was coming through the academy. Uh, I mean, but like I said, I was happy to see him get consistent game time, especially at a club like Bolton. But um, I would have liked to see it still be just alone. And then that way we would have had the potential to recall him because, as we just said, we're lacking depth. And especially in that forward position, that's where we're going to need it. Uh, It looks like Moyes has really been taking more of a look towards trying to reinforce that back line, uh, which would make sense, right? How many games did we have where we went up 3-0 and then all of our assholes clenched tight because we knew we were not going to hold on to that lead? Uh, you know, once Ogbana had gone down. So we definitely need some reinforcements in the center back position, which is why I think Nikola Milenkovic has been such a um, such a dramatic experience in this transfer window. It's been ongoing for weeks. It seems to be what the main holdup uh, between West Ham and Fiorentina is the fact that uh, the agent is trying to tack on some additional fees and basically... Sullivan's having none of that. Like, they're not trying to pay above and beyond what they had already committed to pay for the player. So that's been kind of the hang-up, but it does seem like the player is uh, op- um, open and, and hoping to come to to West Ham, but they're still finalizing that. Uh now that we do have Fabian Benbuena, who's been shipped off to Dynamo Moscow, so we don't have that depth in the center back position, bringing somebody in like Nikola would be a huge, huge uh, benefit to that back line. And it does continue to build uh, some friendly competition between Ogbana, Diop, Dawson, and then uh, Milenkovic. 
Uh, we do have some interest in what seems to be an FC Cole mid- midfielder in Ellie Shahiri. Uh, he's reportedly accepted a move to West Ham, uh, and the 26-year-old Tunisian is known as a great interceptor who likes to run, uh, which you know we've talked about eventually we are going to lose Declan Rice. That's pretty much an assurity. Hopefully we don't lose him in this transfer window. But having any sort of depth in that midfield, that uh, defensive midfield position is going to be key. Because even having somebody like Connor Coventry, Mark Noble, um, we've seen uh, Manuel Lanzini play more of a deep-lying role uh, in this preseason, which I think he uh, he has excelled at. Uh, I do think we need somebody that is more of a like-for-like replacement for both Socek and uh, and for Rice. You know, it was interesting to me that David Moyes made such a big big uh, show of wanting to do the business early this season, and it seemed like that was going to be the case when they signed Thierry Nevers, uh, which was a top spro- top prospect, for, uh, young forward from Reading, and he was actually announced as a signing prior to the, the uh, actual start of the summer window. Uh, we also picked up Pierre Equa, who was a promising young center back slash defensive midfielder from Chelsea. And then Armstrong Okoflex was also signed on from Celtic, uh, and he actually showed very well in preseason, scoring a goal against his former club in that 6-2 route uh, up there at Celtic Park. So we had some really good young signings early, uh, but we kind of knew that that was academy players that were going to be used sparingly in stuff like the Carabao Cup, maybe early stages of FA Cup, but we really needed those starting 11 players that we just weren't seeing. Uh, I think pretty much everybody here at West Ham was hoping for Jesse Lincard to make a permanent move over to West Ham, but it did seem like coming out of the Euros, uh, he wanted to fight for his place at Man City, and uh, Ole was uh, keen to have him to to do that. It has now seemed that as the window has trended towards the close, uh, that it looks like Man U is going to put Jesse Lingard up for sale. Obviously, West Ham are interested if we can bag him for probably about 20 mil. Uh, I think that's what they're they're hoping for. I think that 30 to 35 mil price tag was just out of our price range, um, which I thought was kind of silly because we already know what sort of production he'll have on this team. We know he's a known quantity, whereas anybody else we bring in is going to be a mystery. And I'm I'm really hesitant to bring somebody on that ends up like a Sebastian Hilaire, right? We just, we don't want to take that $40 million uh, sorry, 40 million pound chance and not have it work out. So it's been uh, it, it's it's been a hectic window. We all we all hate it. Let's be honest. It's pretty much the most frustrating time to be a West Ham supporter. But uh, I'm I'm hopeful that we'll get at least one or two more signings over the line before the window closes. So not one name that you brought up had any excitement for me without the exception of Jesse Lingard. And that's where my issue comes in with what West Ham United have done. You have the season that you have with the expectation that you are going to be pretty bad. Let's be honest. We were thinking dark days ahead last year after the first game of the year with that 2-0 loss to Newcastle. Yeah. We, we know we knew that it looked like it was going to be dark days ahead, and everybody was worried. You have the season that you have, and you make some good signings. Now, granted, Thomas Suchek and Vladimir Sufal, those are David Moyes finds. Well done. They've made a difference, so I have a lot of faith that David Moyes, if he's signing off on guys, they're probably solid players or have potential to be. There was a lot of buzz about Tammy Abraham. That is now gone and dead. Tammy Abraham would have been a phenomenal signing, but again, he wouldn't be the number f- the first-choice striker here at West Ham United. It would have been Mikel Antonio. We know that. Yeah. But that would have been a show by the club because if Tammy Abraham's on our club, then he can't score goals against us. So remember (laughs) 
Like, yeah. remember that. And so, and the fact they didn't bring him in, a good young prospect, yes, he'd been a little pricey, but if you want to be successful in the Premier League, you're going to have to spend the money. And it seems that West Ham United are always trying to shop at the dollar store to find that bargain deal. And the reality of the situation is for every Suchek or Sufal that you buy, there's six or seven Allaires, uh, Gokhan Torres, Felipe Andersons, uh, Jonathan Caleri's. Like, I'm just saying, there's a lot of players out there, you know, that Alvaro Ariola, whatever the hell that guy's name was, that, well, you know, we, we, uh, what, well, that may have been my most hated signing. And so I look at this situation and I'm frustrated because. Tammy Abraham seemed to be by all reports and I could have, you know, granted when you're in America and you're hooking these things up, it's, it's hard to decipher what's real and what's not, but for all intensive purposes, it looked like Tammy Abraham was keen to join the irons or at least as a loan move, you know, it was, it was keen to do that. Jesse Lingard, let's be real. It was a pipe dream from the beginning. And if Jesse Lingard wants to come, then you make it happen. But Jesse's got to say he wants to be here. That's the reality of that situation. Jesse Lingard, I mean, Liam, this is the best way I can describe it to you. For those of you that don't know, Liam uh, definitely outkicked his coverage when it comes to his wife. She is (laughs) way better looking than him, all right? Which isn't hard, let's be honest. Very true. I'm glad that you see that and I didn't have to make that point. But I'm going to say this. Jesse Lingard is like, your wife in the sense of the quality of play that he puts on the pitch. It would be really hard for you to drop your wife and go to somebody else. Am I correct? Yeah. Oh, and that's, 100%. The, that's the thing with Jesse Lingard. He's at Manchester United. Yeah. Arguably the most famous club in the world, the most prominent club in the world to leave Man United and go to West Ham United. No matter what we say or feel, no matter how good he was for us, in Jesse's world, he has his own brand and he's a part-time rapper. Let's not forget this. The guy is all about image a little bit. And I love him. And I'm not faulting him for that. But it makes total sense that he's like, mm, you know, if I can make the team here at Manchester United, why would I not? Right. Manchester United, we all know that just signed Jaden Sancho. They have a packed out midfield. There's not a lot of space for him. He's going to have to make a decision soon. If he's comfortable being a super sub, then by all means, be a super sub for Manchester United, and we will always appreciate everything you did this season for West Ham. But the reality of the situation is the player's got to want to be there in order for us to go sign him. So, I mean, those are my thoughts on the transfer window. And I'm going to transition into this, Liam. This transfer window, again, and I'm sick and tired of having this conversation, Liam. I really, truly am. But what is the ambition of this board? What is the club's ambition? Because transfer window after transfer window sends a different message to the the supporters than what David Moyes put out on the pitch. You have an opportunity here, and what are you trying to say to the supporters? And not just the supporters, Liam, the team. Well, I think that we have seen time and time again that this board is not ambitious, regardless of what they try to tell us, what, regardless of what Claret and Hugh put out into the into the press. It's it it's non-existent. That we signed Al- Alphonse Ariola, which you know, let's let's be honest here. He he did show really well at Fulham, and this is a kid that has won a World Cup with France. Uh, he's won titles with Real Madrid. I mean, th- he's a Paris Saint Germain player. Like 
this this is a kid that has shown well that at, at the young age of 28 for a goalkeeper, he's still got a good decade, if not more, uh, that he can still play at the top flight. I think this is a good move. I would have preferred it to be a buy, but I do appreciate that it's a loan move with the uh, obligation or the option to buy at the end of the of the loan, which is which is fine, right? Like we saw how that played out well for Craig Dawson, where it was a loan move and then he showed am- amazingly well. Why not? Why not sign him? I would have hoped that we would have done the same thing with Lingard, where it should have been a loan with the option to buy at the end. It shouldn't have been just a loan and then he goes back to Man U and then we've got to compete with other clubs that want to potentially uh, sign him. But I, we have seen time and time again with this club that like the one time they bet on a horse, right? That horse was a 70-year-old uh, Chilean manager that hadn't performed in the Premier League for years and had shipped him, his career off to China. Like, I mean, and let's, I, I, I can say this with 2020 hindsight, right? Where Pellegrini was a bad move. You know what I mean? Like he he did not add anything. He did not move the club forward. If anything, he put us 10 steps back because he spent money on a bunch of players that did not pan out like Allaire, like Anderson. Um, I mean, you could even say Yarmolenko to some degree. Like this was an opportunity for this club to really capitalize on the um, the movement that we gained from that last season at the Bolin. Like we really looked like we were starting to look like a team that could compete even after Payet left, right? But then Arnie comes in and he causes a kerfluffle and that throws us back again. And the board just kowtows to these players. This this board has no balls. And this board is reticent to ever try to offer us a clear path forward. Um, Nick Frost, the the actor who most people know from like Hot Fuzz or um, Shaun of the Dead, he has he even put out on Twitter the other day that look, all he's asked, all he wants is if the board came out and gave us a clear vision, a clear direction. This is what we're trying to do with this club. They gave us that 11 years ago when they first bought this football club, that they had this 10-step program that they wanted to follow, and they have not delivered through on that. And, you know, I'm a very vocal GSB out person on Twitter. And I understand, like, I'm here in the States. I'm not out with Hammers United outside of the London Stadium protesting. I I honestly wish that I was, because if I lived there, I would absolutely do that. I do not believe that this board has what it takes to take us forward. And it's not just the money aspect of it. Obviously, they don't want to spend money. All they want to do are loan deals. But it's not just the financials. It's the will. They do not have the will to take this club forward. They do not have the will. They do not have the vision. And as I said before, they do not have the balls. So uh, I'm I'm all for new leadership to come in to try to take this club someplace uh, beyond where we've seen. Because this last season, I owe that entirely to the players and to Moyes. This, this season was a success despite the board, not because of it. Liam, I couldn't have said it better myself. And and just to add on to what you're saying, uh, for me, the situation is always going to be this. I look at it from a standpoint of you want to be this great club. Well, how attractive are you to other? Look, the reality of the situation is supporters don't win games. Players do. We just have to understand that. And if, you know, I'm very sorry. Can supporters change a game? Absolutely we can. But players win games. Okay, not managers, anything like that. So your team needs to be attractive to other players. Right now, after the season we had, it was going to be very telling this summer on who wanted to come in and who didn't. And it looks like 
People are looking at that board going, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Maybe they changed it from, I don't want to be a part of that to maybe I don't want to be a part of that, which is a move in the right direction. But nonetheless, that's where it stands. And then when you have a player sitting, you have a, you have a talent sitting in the midfield named Declan Rice, who in all honesty, the club should be doing everything in their power to make sure that he maintains the claret and blue jersey for the rest of his career. We know it's a long shot. We get it. He's going to end up being England's captain at some point. And when he is England's captain, it's going to be really tough to hang on to that guy in a claret and blue jersey. So what I'm thinking in my head here is this. As much as last season saved the board, this season is going to ultimately break them or make them. Because if West Ham come close to what they did last year, then they're going to be able to maintain. But if West Ham fall on their face and they show that last year was a fluke, if that ends up happening, then there is no way that the club can come out and save face with any supporter, any player, any manager. And to move into our next topic here, when we're talking about ambition, The rumors are swirling that David Moyes has been offered a three-year deal or is about to be offered a three-year deal. It's not official yet, but it's coming. If you're David Moyes, and Liam, this is the question I want to ask you. How hesitant are you to sign that deal knowing what we're outlining right now with this club? Well, I think that was the the holdup, right? Where part of it was he was uh, was working as part of the Euros, right? So he was... Uh, he was doing behind the scenes stuff or something. So it was, he was kind of kept off. And that was like why there was a month to six weeks where there was no movement, where he had been offered a three-year deal and he hadn't signed it. And the rumors were swirling that the reason he hadn't signed off on it was because he wanted commitments from the board on monies spent. Because let's let's remember back in the January transfer window, we were told that he had like 30, 35 million in the kitty to play with. But anything that he didn't spend in January, he was going to have available to him in the summer. That has not happened. We have not seen that kind of money shelled out bringing on new players. So really, at the end of the day, it was he was made promises and they weren't delivered. As far as I, I was under the impression that he had signed that contract and that that's where some of the division is now happening, is that the board is trying to push these Will Salthouse players because Will Salthouse is that agent that Sullivan's best buddies with. And he's trying to bring in these Salthouse players like... Um, what's his name? Origi from Liverpool. That's a Salthouse player. So that's why he's, of course, one of the ones that are linked with us. Uh, so it's interesting to me that I think we're still in these stages where the board, specifically Sullivan, is trying to push uh, players on Moyes and Moyes is pushing back saying, no, I don't want him. He doesn't fit into my system. I don't want that player. He doesn't have the work rate that I want. So yeah, I think that some of the holdup might be David's, uh, David Moyes because he is being more strategic, let's say, instead of being picky, he's being strategic on the players that he wants, but Sullivan doesn't want to shell out the cash because at the end of the day, he holds the purse springs, right? uh, Moyes isn't the one that's bringing the money for these players. It has to come from the board. And they're more worried about, oh, we didn't make money on ticket sales because COVID, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, dude, neither did any of the other premier clubs. But guess what? They just dropped $100 million at Man City for fucking Jack Grealish. 100 mil. 100 mil for Grealish. Wasn't Sancho like a 70 mil signing for Man U? So guess what? These guys are still shelling out the cash. The other clubs are. Do you know 
I want to say just this past week, it was only us in Newcastle were the only clubs that hadn't actually paid out money for a new player. They'd only done loan deals. And now Newcastle is about to uh, uh, sign Wallach or Warnick or whatever his name is. So we're the only club. We're the yeah, only yeah. club at the end of the day, dude. It's, I think for a hundred percent, I think this is frustrating for Moyes, but I think Moyes is the kind of guy that will put his head down and go, look, these are the guys I got. I'm going to make it work because that's the type of manager he is. And he's earned the right to have a little bit of say at the board. Let's be honest. Yeah, Even exactly. me, I was a Moyes hater all last year. We know this, and I'm <laughs> going to have to own that. But, you know, I'm making a promise to all seven of our listeners right now that I am not going to be that guy this year. Um, I'm going to give uh, Moyes a fair shake, but the reality of the situation is David Moyes changed the whole feel of this club. Like everything is different now and everything feels like there's a promise and there's a hope, but a promise and hope is like a garden. If you don't water it, nurture it, take care of it, it's not going to grow. And that's what these, that's what's happening here. We're not nurturing this new fat, like the board Everybody was ready to throw pennies at the board, if you will, to hint, hint, wink, wink, back to the Burnley game. Yep. So everybody was ready to do that. But now you have that season, and the supporters now are taking a breath before they say something bad about you. Capitalize on that moment, and you're not doing it. If you're in this for money, you're not in it for the right reasons. I, I will always quote the far side comic that I saw one time of the Italian gangster sitting in a shop and counting his money um, after some type of deal and telling his partner, you know, one day we'll get into soccer and make some real money. <laughs> you know, that, that's the reality of the situation. That's the way that it's viewed. And it's just, it's incredibly frustrating. So let's be positive for a minute, Liam. Let's just get positive. Oh, do here. we have to be? It's so <laughs> uh, you much know, work. <laughs> you know, it's it's the West Ham way not to be. But, yeah, this is true. This is um, true. Here, here's the deal. You sent me through a couple of questions here. So um, we're going to go back and forth asking each other a few questions here um, about this last season because it was such a fun season for us to be a supporter of. There was a lot of happy days, a lot of fun, a lot of excitement, some incredible goals, some great moments. So Liam and I are going to kind of share um, some things that we feel about the season. I got a few surprise questions for you, Liam. So um, here we go. Um, You sent me this question. I really like it. So I'm going to ask you first, then I'll answer after you. Um, How did this season stack up for you personally since you've been a West Ham fan? So only of the seasons you've been supporting the club, how did it stack up? If you had to give it a rating, where does it rank? Uh. I mean, this one would be, you know, like a like a nine point five out of ten. This would be, this would be way way up there for me in terms of seasons. Because like I think I've mentioned on the show before, like I started actively following the club in nineteen ninety nine, and you know those first early seasons, the club did really really well under under Harry Redknapp with players like Trevor Sinclair and Paulo Di Canio and Rio Ferdinand. Um, you know, but I think throughout the years, like kind of having those ups and downs, like when we were relegated uh, and then being able to to fight our way back up, um, you know, going to the FA Cup, I'd say in like in 2006 was huge. The FA Cup final. I think that was a, a huge, huge moment as a, as a West Ham supporter. Um, you know, the great escape always comes to mind, you know, Carlos Tevez. Uh, but I, I think in more recent history, right? Because back in those days, I couldn't watch a lot of the games. There wasn't a lot of them that were being aired. So a lot of the results I'd have to get through looking, you know, going to websites or getting alerts. Um, I think it it was, you know, probably after the Great Escape was probably where I was more 
it was became easier to kind of view games than obviously when we were got uh, relegated in what was it 2011, and then being able to jump right back up that was huge. Being able to kind of see that season, I feel like that was the first season that you were a, a supporter. So like what a you know what a massive uh, season to have at that point. But in more recent history, like the Bowl Inn, the last season of the Bowl Inn was is still probably my favorite. Um, I mean, it's bittersweet because having to say goodbye to to Upton Park was 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 tough. But I think just the performances, those results, that last game at the Bull Inn was was huge. Uh, but yeah, this season I think just like pound for pound because in a lot of those previous seasons we sort of relied on you know one, two, maybe three fantastic players to to kind of make it through that season. This last season, man, it was like across the board, like almost everybody pulled their weight, and that was rare. Um, that was rare for me in the last 20 plus years of being a supporter. Um, it was rare to see a team that was that well orchestrated and that well managed uh, by David Moyes. So, uh, like I said earlier, full credit to Moyes, full credit for the players. I mean, this was just a bangerang season. So uh, long may it continue. But what about for you, man? How'd this one stack up? You know, overall, I'm going to tell you the truth. It was my second favorite season that I've ever viewed. Um, obviously, there's three seasons that stick out because the rest of them have been shit. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> the three seasons stick out. My first season as a supporter, um, they win the the championship playoff to get per, to be the third team promoted back into the Premier League. It was absolutely incredible to watch. I remember I watched some seedy, um, nasty um, that filled my uh, computer with viruses, some stream I had found on some ninth party website that you know now i still get porn invites all the time because of it like nice oh um, that's the only reason (laughs) (laughs) touche um so i that season was so much fun and that moment with ricardo veste when he when he put that ball into the net and you knew west ham were gonna uh be advancing after beating blackpool that was incredible um then i would say the season we just had is where it stacks up. There was so many great moments. And like you said, there wasn't one guy that you really leaned on. It was like this month it's Suchek, this month it's Lingard, this month it's Antonio. Like they all just kind of, is like a rotation of who was going to be on top of it. But I have to admit, I've never had more fun than the very first year of the Fresno Irons was the last year at the Bowl Inn. And that was such a magical season. And I was so happy to have a player like Dimitri Payet be a part of that. And granted, I know that it didn't end well, but I will never forget uh, what he did for West Ham United that season. Um, it was, I mean, it was uh, it was the most fun I've ever had watching the comeback against Everton, the last ever game at the Bowl Lynn, Dimitri Payet's free kicks. Like, you, you just, you couldn't. I couldn't make it up. It was the Premier League script writers did a great job that year um, <laughs> of giving us that moment. Um, and what was funny was this season we were actually a better team than that team. But um, yeah. I still really enjoyed that. So um, this next question, uh, I'm going to answer first. I'm going to allow you to answer. I want to know your favorite moment from this past season and who the player was that you liked the most, the guy that you thought really turned it around. So I'll go first. Best player, um, it's got to be Vladimir Sufal. Um uh, the stabilization he provided at right back, what he did is the unsung hero. Um, everybody else was getting the headlines while Vladimir Sufal was very quietly dominating people. There was one game I felt like he had an issue, and that was against Arsenal. He just could not run uh, with that um, right winger from Arsenal whose name escapes me at the moment. But that was definitely one that he seemed to struggle with. But everybody else, I mean, he made Jack Grealish look pedestrian, which is, um, I think, 
awesome because nothing, there's nothing I like more than watching Jack Grealish do that stupid ass face and put his hands up in the air, complaining to the ref. And mm-hmm. I felt like Vladimir Sufal made him do that more than anybody. Um, but my favorite moment of the season, and you all, you already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> It's Lanzini's goal. Oh my God. What a moment. Like just the shirt off running around. I don't even think Lanzini realized that thing was going to bury itself into the corner. And they put so much pace on it because remember, Larice got a hand to that. He still got a hand Mm -hmm. on that and it still went through because he just struck it so purely. Uh, so that that's my favorite moment of the season. Anytime you beat Tottenham, especially with the goal, like, well, funny, we didn't beat Tottenham. Anytime you can steal points <laughs> um, away from Tottenham um, and the way that they did it and the fashion and the fact that it's my favorite player on the team, Lanzini, it was just a magical moment for me. So who? what's your favorite moment and the best player of the season for you? Man, it's it's hard to argue with those picks, man. Like, I, I got to say, like, with Kufal, uh, with Kufal he was just – a man on, or sorry, Sufal, um, uh, he was just a man on fire The from like day one, minute one. And I know we were all kind of thrown with like, wait, who is this guy? Like what? And he's already going to get a start. Like this doesn't make sense. Why would you put him in over Fredericks? And, you know, Fredericks obviously being injury prone, it, it makes sense. But uh, Sufal just dominated that right back position to the point where like, I can't ever imagine having somebody else as a right back. Like I just see Sufal as like the he will stay there till he retires until he's ready to give up that position. Um, he is still, I, I'm guarantee you that Jack Grealish still has nightmares <laughs> of having to play against Vlad, Vlad the Impaler over there. Um, you know, I, I'd like to give an honorable mention to somebody that you shat on constantly all of last season. Um, because I do think he was somebody that progressively improved from day one, minute one, all the way through until the end of the season, which I think that last game, against Southampton was like the feather in his cap, Pablo Fornals. Um, this this is a guy that when you think back to the game, was it was it Wolves or Leicester where Cressy does the just the boot up the up the sky and Fornals does like the one perfect one touch drop and then beats the 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 um beats the defender and then beats the keeper on like a near post. It was Leicester. Um, it was Lester. Thank you. Uh, I I want to give a, a huge shout to Fernals for that one, and then he, him getting the brace in that that final match. You know, with obviously he had just announced that his girl was pregnant. Like, you know, what a moment for him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so many great goals, so many great moments. Um, I'm gonna say the Lanzini goal is still also my favorite because of what it meant. I remember just standing up in, in front of my desk because the TV was mounting above my desk at that point, and I'm just screaming bloody murder, and my wife comes out of the restroom, and she's like, what is going on? I'm like, we fucking stole a point. Like, I was so, I was, oh, man, I was so over the moon. But I'd say an, an honorable mention for me was uh, Craig Dawson taking off that dude's head when he goes to do the volley, and he completely misses the ball and just kicks that dude right in the face. I mean, that was reposted on Twitter, like, for weeks after that. Because uh, Dawson was that uh, the another person like for now is where everybody was like, why I don't want Dawson. Let me p- make a list of things I want more than Craig Dawson, and the list is like herpes, you know, like people <laughs> putting all these crazy things. Um, but I thought he showed really well, man. Like, so I would say my two would be honorable mentions, but I 100% agree with you. Those were the 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 player of the season and definitely the moment of the season. Any chance Liam gets to make sure that I realize how much shit I talked on Pablo Fornals, he takes full I will, advantage I will of. do that. I will absolutely do that. 
Okay, I'm going to skip one question here, and we're going to wrap it up with this because I, I really like this question because this is something I think all West Ham fans are going to have. This is a sad reality that's coming, and we're not trying to be negative. We're trying to live in reality here. If you have to give up one, if you can, excuse me, I, I started that wrong. If you could sign any player in the world, but you have to give up Declan Rice, who is that player? Um, Liam, I'll let you go first on this one. Well, I mean, it would have been fucking messy, but now he's gone to PSG. So, you know, that guy can piss all the way off. What a, what a retirement <laughs> farmer's league that dude has decided to go to. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm sure uh, uh, Lee will listen to this at some point. And I apologize, Lee. Like, St. Etienne is a great club, and I'm glad that you support them. But they're, they're, a, they're a great club in an absolute shite league. I mean, basically Messi went to retire. So I, I would actually say I'd take Ronaldo, man. Um, even with all the the ego and the showboating, I mean, he's still one of the greatest players to to play the game. Um, and I, I think that for what he's been able to do in multiple leagues for so many seasons um, is basically unparalleled at this point. I mean, what he was able to do at Real Madrid and Manchester United and now uh, Juventus, like, I think that's a huge, huge player. Um, but just to just to be a piss taker, I would take fucking um, uh, Ibrahimovic. I would take Zlatan because what a what a douche backup to Mikel Antonio to have Zlatan because he is an, a, a you know out and out striker. He is that ni- number nine that can hold up. He he has the highlight real showboat goals. You know, his time at LA Galaxy, he was an absolute dickbag, uh, but I loved it. So maybe somebody like that. But what about you, man? Who would you take? So I'm going to give you two guys. And the reason we say this, and I hope that you notice the names were thrown out, is because this is what our valuation of Declan Rice is. This is the level that we put him at. Uh, so for me, um, I'm going to give you two answers. I'm going to say in the world and then in the prim. Um, in the world, it's 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 Haaland from Borussia Dortmund. Ooh, good shout. Uh, yeah, go. so I want the youth of Haaland and how young he is. If I'm going to give up arguably one of the best young players in the world, I want to get one of the best young players in the world back. So that also is my answer to the next question as well. And this one might shock you because you in our pre-production meeting, you were trying to guess who this guy was. You, this is going to shock you, but I do firmly believe this. If I was going to give up Declan Rice, I'd want Jack Grealish in return. Oh, that's not uh, bad. Yeah, I think I think Jack Grealish is a playmaker. I think he creates chances. Um, he's got a little bit of swagger. He's a little bit of a douchebag. He would fit in beautiful in the East End of London. So I just think, uh, you know, I think that would be a nice uh, swap there if I had to do it. So those, problem- those are my two. The only problem is if you put Grealish in, you have to play Mark Noble because of all the penalties that Grealish will, will undoubtedly uh, uh, earn for the club. So I think, though, if I was going to do a like-for-like like replacement, I would actually go with N'Golo Conte from uh, Chelsea because if I want like that defensive midfielder that does the work that Declan Rice does, um, I'm, I'd actually take Conte. That's, ooh, that's a very good shout. Okay. It's time for the season preview time, okay? So, obviously, we've been thinking about it. Um, So, here's what we're going to do. There's three questions I have for you, Liam. Number one is, where is West Ham United going to finish? Who is your hammer of the year? And who is your breakout player of the year? Got it. All right. So, uh, I'll start with the first question there. Um, I'm going to say we're going to easily finish uh, top 10 
uh, I would like to. I'd like to think we we will either duplicate this and end up in sixth again, or we'll just miss it and hit seventh. Um, and, but I think a lot of that does depend on how other teams perform this season, you know, because I think we did benefit a little bit from certain teams struggling, like teams like Wolves that typically had been finishing above us since they got back into the Prem. Um, but I do think that uh, there's there's a fair shot for us to easily finish top half of the table. I know Jamie Carragher was saying if we don't sign somebody soon, we're going to fight relegation again. That's bullshit. There's no way with the team, the core that we have, I don't think we'll struggle in the league. I think we'll struggle in cups. I don't think we if we don't have more depth we don't do, we don't do well in Europa League, right? If we don't have depth, we don't go far in the FA Cup or the Carabao or anything along those lines. So, um I I actually do think we finished fairly high um or at least pretty close to where we finished this past season. I don't think this was a fluke. Um hammer of the year for me, um I think if what we were saying earlier with Mikel Antonio um, scoring, you know, 15, 16 goals or more, I, I think that he would definitely be a shout for um uh, for hammer of the year. And I'd actually like to see him get that because I think he is on sort of the last couple seasons that he'll probably be here at, at West Ham. Um, and then breakout player. I'm going to go with Ben Rama, man. That that preseason showing for him has been dynamite. Like this dude looks like a man possessed. Like if anything, it almost looks like he has become what we lost with Lingard. And I'm I'm here for that. If he can do what Lingard for, did for us last season, um, I I could see him earning double digits with goals and assists. Like he might be a ten goal, ten assist player. And we're gonna hear a lot of um, goal by Mikel Antonio, assisted by you know Saeed Ben Rama. What about for you, Tex? Where where do you think we land? Uh, I think we finish eighth. Um, I don't think we've done enough to improve the squad. I Ooh. think even <laughs> even with the projected signings, I still don't think we've done enough uh, to improve the squad because everybody's going to get better. We all know that, especially the teams in the top half of the table because they're all wanting those Champions League spots. So I, I see eighth as um, the you know where I think we'll be. I think at best we could be in sixth. Um, I don't see us any lower than eighth. I'll be honest. So that's worst case scenario for me. Um, hammer of the year, it's going to be Declan Rice. Um, De- Declan is only getting better. I thought he was phenomenal in the Euros. I think Garrett Southgate's a dumbass for taking him off the pitch um, in multiple games. I think Declan Rice is a guy that you always leave on the pitch, and I honestly believe that he'll turn up a lot of trees this year. He's going to cover a lot of ground. He's going to prove what his value is, and by the end of the season, we're going to be sitting there if we're not in the Champions League spots. We're going to be going – well, how much money can we get for Declan? Because that's the only way I see him staying is if the club improves into the Champions League places because then what does any other club that comes in to buy him have to have over us Yeah, you know, at that point? So um, I think he's clearly hammer of the year. I think he is, you know, he is the piston that drives that whole team. Um, breakout player of the year in this one. You, so I had two, and I knew that you were going to probably take Benarama. So I held this one in. Um, I think Connor Coventry is going to be the breakout player of the year. And I think he's been phenomenal in the preseason. I think if Moyes will give him some opportunity, I think he is a player that can definitely uh, be a very, very dangerous player. He scored a goal that was incredible, and it was from outside the 18. And I'm telling you, the, the kid, he's been scratching at the surface for two seasons. Yeah, And I'm hoping that David Moyes, now that he's had – a prolonged time at the club and has not, you know, just been there to finish 17th. I th- I hope now that Connor Coventry gets a gets an opportunity because I think he's been brilliant for West Ham United this preseason and I think he's shown that he can do some stuff. 
And as much as we love Declan Rice, Connor could be the next Mark Noble, you know, because I think Connor wants to be at West Ham where Declan, sometimes I wonder. So, <laughs> and that's not a, that's not a dig at, at Declan. I just think, remember, this is the same guy that, you know, traded Ireland for England. So yeah, I, yeah. I just, I think Declan just wants to be on the biggest stage he can be. And I, he re, he deserves to be, and I have no issue with him wanting that. Um, I just hope that he always remembers who gave him his opportunity, which right. was West Ham United. So um, that brings us to everybody's favorite part of the show. Time for yellow and red cards. Uh, Liam, hit me with your yellow. So yellow card for me was definitely the woodwork. Uh, if anybody had been watching those uh, West Ham clips videos and, you know, having Mr. Tibbles and uh, him losing his shit every time we'd hit the, the woodwork and it would say triggered, I was dying every time uh, those would come out. I would look forward to when they would come out. Uh, but yeah, they, I think we drastically would have changed our league position uh, had we been able to get it in under the crossbar a couple other times. How about for you, yellow card? Yellow card goes to almost every media outlet out there and just the shit storm they throw West Ham's way. We're allowed to shit on West Ham. You are not, media. <laughs> uh, we finished sixth last year. You should give us the respect that we deserve and let us be the voice of negativity because that is what West Ham supporters are good at. So, Right there, that, that's my yellow card. Hit me with your red. Uh, so red card for me was the Premier League not uh, monetarily or points penalizing the greedy six after that little coup uh, attempt to break away to form that little Super League. Uh, I, I was really expecting them to to have some sort of um, penalty to either finish out the, this past season or at least to go into this next season, whether it was going to be you know, uh, a freeze on any transfers. Like they could transfer people out, but they couldn't bring new people in. I was hoping for something, but the Premier League showed that uh, they have no balls. Uh, there's no spine. They're not going to stand up to these clubs because money matters more than integrity. What about for you, Tex? Uh, it's real simple. The red card. Um, so last year it was always David Moyes. He's earned my respect. Like I told you, um, his name will only come out of my mouth if there's actually something to bitch about. I won't make up things anymore like I was having <laughs> to last year. Red card goes to the fucking board. Yep. And it's going to continue to go to them until they show some ambition in this club. I, I went on a rant last year. I'm going to repeat myself very simply. If this is a business to you, then you don't need to be owning the club because this is a sports team. This yep. is a team. This is about a community. You don't own the club. The supporters do. And they need to understand that. You are the caretaker. And so I, I'm just sick and tired of having the conversation uh, of trying to find bargain bin buys, invest in the club, make the club a stable top. Let's make the top six a top seven. And let's constantly be in that fight every year so that this club can be what these supporters deserve. This is the East End of London. This is not the West Side of London, <coughs> excuse me, where you can lose a match and go buy a Prada bag to make you feel better. These are <laughs> real supporters. They live and die. They pay that wage to go to that match. That's what they choose to do with their hard-earned money. Blue collar work might do some um, some seedy stuff and underneath the streetlights from time to time, but they love this club. And so give them something 
to make their weekend great after the shit storm week we know that most of us have during the work week. Very and so I'm, si- I'm sick and tired of that. So that brings us to the final part. Um, Todd did this a little out of order. I apologize. It's time for our match prediction. As you know, we play Newcastle, which has been the house of horrors for West Ham United at St. James's Park, nonetheless. A place that last year we went down 2-0, found a way back into the game, and then five minutes after equalizing, we conceded the third goal and ended up losing back-to-back games with Newcastle last year. They took six points of us. Imagine if we would have had those six points, Liam. Imagine. Um, So looking at that situation, um, tell me who your starting 11 is uh, for that match. Uh, So this is under the expectation that Agbana is still not going to be fully match fit. Uh, So I'm going to leave him on the bench for this one. But I'm going to go Fabianski in goal. Uh, Sufal, Dawson, Diop, and Cresswell in the back line up for a four. Uh, Suchek and Rice in the, is the double pivot in the midfield. Bowen, Benrahman, Fornells as the attacking mid, and then Antonio up top. What about for you? The only change I make is, and it would be a formational change, to get Lanzini on the pitch. Um, and then I think that player that would be dropped would possibly be Bowen. Gotcha. Um, and so... I, I don't see that happening um, because I think that for Moyes, it's still an experimental thing with, with Lanzini, what he's trying to do with him. But Lanzini is one of those players, and I've always sang his praises, but I thought he looked really good in the preseason in that deeper yeah. role. I think he's more comfortable there. I think he has vision that maybe only Benarama has on that team. Uh, him and Benarama, I think, would be nasty together, but it would be a formation change. And I don't know if Moyes is ready to do that because that formation was pretty successful for us last year. Yeah, and um, I think that th- that'll be probably something he uses in like cup games, you know, uh, just to to give some some squad rotation. So I expect with a lot of the cup games, we'll see players like Fredericks, Noble, Coventry, Lanzini, Ben Johnson. You'll see a lot of those guys in the cup games, which um, I'm I'm still comfortable with that. I mean, we saw this uh, uh, this last match. Um, Oh, why am I blanking on who we played? Oh, um, Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta in the in the Betway Cup. So he made like what five changes at like the sixty fifth minute mark. There was no drop off in performance. Like we we definitely we still had the same dominance. We still had the same prowess in the attack. Um, so I'm I'm actually fairly comfortable with what we have to at least start the season. But I do think we need more depth uh, before this window closes. All right, hit me with your score line for the match. Uh, I mean, if we're going to be away at St. James, I'm going to hope for a draw. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say we walk out of there one one with a point. What about you? I agree, but I think it's two um, oh, two. Okay. I, I I think it's a draw. I think they have our number. Um, I think we take a step forward this year, but I don't think we're ready to beat Newcastle. And that's sad to say, but <laughs> um, just Newcastle, they just. They have the right players in the right positions that cause us a lot of problems. And John Joe Shelby, East End boy, he's always going to play up in that game. Um, you know, remember two years ago, he was supposed to be wearing the Claret and Blue, yeah. and we wouldn't pay the money to sign him. So at the end of the day, I, I think it's a 2 2 draw. I agree with you. Who's your goal scorer in your game? Then I'll give you my two. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, probably uh, Sochek off of uh, off of a set piece. I think that's where, which is odd because we haven't been super lethal in preseason on set pieces. But I think against a team like Newcastle, that's probably where we're going to get that goal, as opposed to to um, getting it through the run of play. Uh, what about for you? 
Uh, very simply, I think Mikel Antonio is going to get the early goal. I think we will take a lead, but I think Newcastle will come back. And then I think we'll see a wonder goal from Saeed Benarama. I and I so. think I think Benarama is on form right now. I think he's comfortable. I think he's got a really good relationship with his teammates. And him and Antonio together, I, I feel like there's something, some magic going to happen there. So I could see those two guys not only scoring goals, but assisting each other in their goals. I yeah. can 100% see that. So who's your man of the match? Um, Robert Snodgrass. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> oh, he's not our guy. Um, no, for me, man of the match, um, man, that one's tough. I, I would probably go with, uh, with, uh, probably Declan. Let's be honest. Like if, it, if we're gonna, if we're gonna at least walk away with a point, we're going to have to own that mid midfield and we cannot let somebody like, uh, John Joe Shelby or they still have, uh, uh, that Paraguayan kid, right? Uh, Almarone, if they still have him, he's super lethal. If they bring him in off the bench, same thing with Sen Maximon. So uh, we're going to need to own that midfield. I mean, we're going to need our wing backs to uh, to be able to really hold tight as well. But I think it's going to hinge on Declan uh, dictating the pace. How about for you? Simple man of the match is Saeed Benarama. I think we're about to see something very special, and I've been quiet on it. Um, because I know I have a tendency to get overexcited over a guy, but <laughs> Saeed Benarama, I think, is about to he's about to show West Ham United why it was such a big deal for us to go get, go and get him. And nice. uh, you know, I'll never forget a guy that you know argued for the signing bonus. Um, he argued for Brentford to pay a signing bonus that he was owed, and the moment he got it, he turned around and paid it to all of the support staff of Brentford FC yep. um, to support them. And so just the fact that that's the kind of man he is, that's the kind of character he is, and the fact that last year he played in a game during Ramadan and was not eating, I, that was pretty fucking incredible what he pulled off. So I, I, I'm i starting to really like this Saeed Benarama guy. I think he's going to be dangerous. Well, that, that brings us to the end of our show. Obviously, we're, we're excited to be back. Hopefully, we can grow this listenership and uh, hopefully get you guys more involved in the show. As always, if you want to hit up Liam or myself on Twitter, you can hit at A-H-R-W-H-U, which is American Hammers Radio's Twitter handle. Um, if you want to get in touch with the Fresno Irons, you can hit any of the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, at Fresno Irons. Uh, we're always excited uh, to get involved and we're always excited to be a part of this thing. We're just a little old supporter group out here in uh, so the Central Valley of California. And if you find yourself, for some strange reason, <laughs> Saturday morning at 6 a.m. and you're like, gee, I need to go catch the West Ham match, come on down to Full Circle Brewing Company. Your first beer is on us. We'd love to have you here. Um, for Liam, this is Tex. I want to say thank you for listening. And as always... Come, Come on, on, you, you irons. irons.